Thank you and welcome. I'm Father Mitch Packle and welcome to EWTN Live. We bring you guests from around the world. And tonight we'll look at how the Maronite Catholic faith has spread around the world. So we will talk about the effects of that worldwide expansion that has had on such a close-knit faith culture such as the Maronites. Before we take a look at that, I want to talk briefly with EWTN's Len Marino about a cool new contest for EWTN viewers who are a lot younger than I. They are age 14 to 25. That'd be about my grandchildren, great-grandchildren's age, if I had any. Len, what you got for us? Well, we got this uh, Cool to be Catholic contest. And uh, what it is, it's a film contest, uh, 30 and 60 second um, videos done by students. Students in high school, students in college, students in film school. So you have to be a registered student in well, high school, college, or a film school in order to enter. But we like to talk about subjects like uh, the family, Eucharistic adoration, the church, and challenges of being, you know, a Catholic in today's society. Sure. Yep. So you can find out more about it if you go to our website. Uh, it's cooltobecatholic.com. They'll probably put it right up there on the screen in a moment and get me off. And we'll uh, talk about that. And then they'll, when you go to the site, you know, you'll see a bunch of different stuff. And the first thing you want to do after reading all of the information is you want to go to the um, uh, film kit. Okay, so you'll go down and you'll see, as you're seeing here, we've got uh, information, you know, what the grand prize winners are, the qualifications, again, that I, I just went over, um, and other information that you'll need to enter the contest. Then we go into, you know, what are the subjects you, you, you want to talk about? And here's where you go. You go to cooltobecatholic.com and you, uh, you upload, you download the, the film kit. If you want to roll that film kit so they can see that, that would be, uh, that would yeah, be good as yeah, well. Yeah. 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 I think they got that. Good. So there it is. Yeah. And that's going to give you all the forms you need because when you're making spots for television, you have to you know, follow special protocols. So we've got there what size the thing should be, releases, et cetera. It's all there for you on the website. And this is the, uh, this is the um, relaunch of it. We started this contest back in 2016. Our first winner was from USC Film School. Our second year winner in film school was from USC Film School, both devout Catholics. In 2019, the winner of the Cool to be Catholic contest got a job here. And she works actually in the production department. She's not on the show tonight, but she works here. So, I mean, it's, it, it's, a, it's, a, great, it's a great contest. We invite anybody that uh, meets the criteria to enter. And uh, that's all I got. Thanks for all your right. time, because you're cool good. to be Catholic. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate that. Feel a little long in the tooth to be too cool, but great to do that. Just go to cooltobecatholic.com and enter that contest. We'll be back in just a minute, so please stay with us. Good job.
Thank you and welcome back. Our guest tonight is a Maronite priest currently serving at St. Elias Maronite Catholic Church right here in Birmingham, Alabama. And we'll talk about the Maronite faith and how it has spread across the world. We'll also discuss the reasons and effects that that development has had on the Maronites, both internationally and in their home country of Lebanon. So please welcome Father Jean Maroon Hellu. Abuna, thank you. Good to have you with us. Just so folks know, where were you from? Where, where were you born? Actually, I would like before I start yeah? to express my gratitude and my happiness to be with you on this program and this television. Oh, glad to have Especially you. Especially on this great feast for me is the feast of St. John Meron, the saint who I carry his name. And uh, I ask his blessings. And uh, I thank, thank you. I thank you. Thank you. And thank him also. Saint, yeah, Saint John Maroon uh, was one of the Maronite saints, and so yeah. he's in the Maronite liturgical calendar. But most of the rest of the church doesn't yeah, yeah, yeah. know about that's, him yet. So <laughs> happy Saint Day to you. Thank you. So obviously, from people listening to you, where are you from originally? I am from Lebanon. And you've not been in America very long, right? Yeah, around uh, 14 months. Yes. Yeah. So your background is in sociology, correct? This is yes, your professional that's training. That's yeah. And you studied uh, the immigration process. Yes. And my thesis title was How the Maronite Church Faced the Challenge of Immigration. Yes. This, this is very large. I've heard that there are more Maronites living around the world than in Lebanon. Yes. Would that be that's true? true. Yeah. 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 So tell us, what's, what is the result of this immigration? Okay. Also, I would like to start because sociologists usually, we have to feel to explore. Mm -hmm the native country, this is a field, how people live there and why they live this country, mm -hmm. what is the push reasons. And the next field is complementary, the countries of installation, why yes. they go there, not there, not there, and how they live, their integration, and uh, all this uh, process of assimilation and socialization. Sure. So for this, I would like to mention something about Lebanon first. Yeah. Uh, and uh, actually, in my thesis, I used the concept sometimes of Maronite immigration, sometimes Lebanese immigration. It overlaps, but not always. Why? Mm -hmm. Because the immigration starts from Lebanon before the date when Lebanon is established as official country, official state country and take his independence, it was in 1943. Yes. But the immigration start in 1860, eight years before this. And in this time, immigrated, sometimes they call them Turco, sometimes Syrian, sometimes, but no, no, no so many times Lebanese. So for this, I use this word, Maronite immigration. And, and if I can just add for our audience, 
that at the time of the immigration starting in the 1860s, yeah. the Lebanon was not its own country. It was part of the Ottoman Don't. Turkish Empire. That's the truth. And this, this was, uh, the empire lasted until 1917, yeah. uh, and then it fell apart after World War I, uh, was divided up. And Lebanon was a protectorate of the French. Yes. The French were in charge of uh, Syria and Lebanon, the English in charge of Jordan and Palestine. Yes. Uh, in those days. That's correct, but also I would like to add other differences. When I speak about Maronite immigration, it doesn't make especially Lebanese, because we have Maronite in Egypt, also they have immigrated, especially yes. to Canada. Maronite in Turkey, the majority was immigrated, and Holy Land, and Syria, sure, and also many of them immigrated to Venezuela and other countries. So for this, I prefer to use Maronite immigration, the majority of this Maronite people, sure, uh, was, uh, was installed in Lebanon, and they are Lebanese, but not all Lebanese. This I would like to mention. Yeah, and, and again, so, just to add that there are other communities in Lebanon. Yeah, there sure. are Shiite Muslims, Sunni Muslims, yes. and yeah. Druze, as well as many Greek Orthodox, yeah, sure. Syrian Orthodox, Armenians. Actually, so it's, we it's have diverse. 18, 18 confessions. Yes. 11 Christian, but all are old, and uh, seven of them are Muslims. Yes, so it's, yeah. it's a, the, yeah, the, it's a big diversity and multiplicity. Yes. yes. So this, this uh, increase the immigration, how? First, I would like to mention the geography also of Lebanon. Lebanon is a mount, you know, mm -hmm. laying on the coast near the sea, Mediterranean one. Mm -hmm. And today they speak so much about how the environment affects the culture of people and their behavior, uh, science. So in Lebanon, uh, because of the location of Lebanon, immigration became a element, constituent element about our culture. So when people immigrate, is in their DNA, if we can see. And it starts with Phoenician. Yes. It's not so new. But also what I discover, usually immigration is a human act. All people immigrate, and especially on this day with globalization, it increases, and all, so many people move from a country to other country for work, for life, for get marriage, etc. But in Lebanon, it is a historical fact because it starts with Phoenician. It continues all our history. But I, I would like to mention about modern immigration. This one starts on 1860. Is, is immigration, normal immigration. People left their country to live or install in other country. But what happened is a specs for Maronite immigration. Usually when people move, okay, they finish a stage from, from their life and start a new one in New England. But with Maronite, it doesn't work like this. These people left their country by to bring with them their country and their heart, especially 
their customs, their tradition, and especially, especially their religion. Religion, their faith, Catholic, Syriac faith. We call this Marumai, because we are Catholic and you are Syriac, and you are Eastern. So for this, the church, Maronite church, when, it, when she convoked this Maronite synod during year 23rd until 26, 2006, they used a new concept to express immigration. They didn't say immigration. They used the concept of expansion. Yes. Okay, what is expansion? In science, they don't use this. But why, why they choose this concept? Because it reflects the truth. This Maronite people, despite they left their countries, they bring Lebanon or other countries with them, and especially their faith. How and why? And why? They stay connected to their source, their identity, Maronite identity, like the sunbeam, you know? Mm -hmm. The sun is the source and sends a, a rays, rays. So these people make the same. They left and first they arrived to all the country, not only in the United States. They asked their priests to come and celebrate masses for them to continue living according to their faith. It's wonderful. And there are poor people. For them to do this is so hard, you know, mm -hmm. to pay money and to take care or to establish parishes. It, it requires so much sacrifices, but they do this because mm -hmm. they are attached to their faith and to their tradition. This is a big difference between the Maronite immigration and, the, uh, and all the others. When, one of the things that uh, I know from uh, St. Elias, because this, uh, a lot of the audiences heard me talk about it, but this is where I celebrate Mass on Sundays. When I'm here in Birmingham, I, I generally go over to St. Elias and celebrate uh, the liturgy called Corbono, uh, which is Syriac or Aramaic for um, uh, the uh, liturgy, the, the offering. And I know from our parishioners that over a hundred years ago, almost 110 years ago, it was Lebanese women making food and selling it that helped to buy the land in the church building. This happened elsewhere uh, in St. Louis. The cathedral, co-cathedral of St. Raymond was built by women selling lunches on Wednesdays downtown St. Louis in order to raise money to build the first church. This, this kind of commitment uses their Lebanese background, you know, in terms of the food they make. They make Lebanese food yeah. and they also make a business from this for the sake of the church. It's a generosity that uses their identity to continue their identity. Yeah. It's one of our uh, customs, because in Lebanon we have hospitality. Now, if you go to Lebanon, yes. all people invite, they, despite they don't know you, come, 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 drink yeah. coffee, come eat with us. It's our, it's our life. 
But what you mentioned is so important, but it's not in uh, small level or uh, low level. It's everywhere. Yes. You know, today, Maronite are installed in five continents. Yeah, from a long time, not, not from this time. It started from 1860s and didn't stop. Always we continue to immigrate. Actually, uh, here, uh, to be precise, during our history, five waves of immigration happened. The first start after this genocide. Why in 1860? Because in 1861, unfortunately, some conflict happened on the Mount of Lebanon between Druze and Maronite. Then as, uh, they have genocide against Maronite. Yes. And after this, uh, France, France, Napoleon, sent his army to establish peace and help people to come over in their village in Mount Lebanon. But from this time, many people start to think why we have to continue to live in this land, why we don't live, we, we, we don't reach other country where we can live more in, in peace. Then they first immigrated in modern, in modern immigration called Antum Bashalani, left Lebanon and came to Boston in America. So it started in the United States, but not only in the United States. Also from this century, the end of 19th century, they went to South Africa, to Australia, some uh, many countries of on Africa, to South America, Brazil, Argentina, Colombia, Peru, mm. all, all, all. Now we are, uh, Maronites are spreaded around more than 100 countries on the world. Mm -hmm. And the majority of these countries, they established parishes. And after parishes come eparchy uh, and bishops. And, and so folks understand, an eparchy is the Eastern right term mm. for a diocese. Yeah. Diocese is a Latin word, eparchy is a Greek word. This is the word that we use for our, uh, the, the equivalent of our diocese. Mm -hmm. So, and there are dioceses in Australia, Africa, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Mexico, everywhere. Yeah. Canada, ten, here? Ten. We have 10 dioceses overseas. Yes. And 10 in Lebanon. Yeah. Nine in Lebanon with the patriot, for the patriot. Actually, I would like also to talk about how this immigration affects our face, not in the main of deposit of face. Our face is Catholic face. Mm -hmm. But our witness and our mission and how we live and we comprehend our face. This is uh, it affects this and also affect our church. So what happened? After these people bring with them their faith and start to establish parishes, with time, with long time, it started in 1860 until 2003, when this Maronite Patriarch Synod was conv convoked, okay? Mm -hmm. Then it was a wonder for the church, our patriarch and the bishops in Lebanon, to discover how this church, Maronite church, is thrive around the whole world, the worldwide. Then they adopt a new vision for the Maronite church. It contains on this. You know, Maronite church is an Eastern church. Her geography is Antioch. It means Turkey, Syria, Egypt, Holy Land, Lebanon, Cyprus. 
But now, the Maronite people in Lebanon, if we can say, maybe they are around 1 million. Yeah? But throughout the world, they are around 10 million. Yeah, it's a small flock, a small one, but for us, it's not small. And for Jesus also, it's so worthy. So then the first, the immigration or the expansion affects the church itself. She it transformed to be a local church, Antiochian one, to be a kind of universal church. Universal, not like the Catholic, but in some way universal. And now they start to think how we have to carry our Maronite mission. It means our faith and our living for our faith, our liturgy, our tradition, our sense, our history, our holy land, how we have to carry this for the whole world, and what is our role with the universe church, Catholic one, under the Pope. So it's so important, and it acquires so much work, and I think we have to start on this, to do this, because it's so important for the whole, for the whole world. Mm -hmm. Now, for example, this vice president here mentioned call Catholic, told, call to be Catholic. Okay? Mm -hmm. We are Catholic, but it's not cool. <laughs> we always struggle to be Catholic, especially in our uh, land, in our country, in Lebanon and all the other countries. Mm -hmm. So we have so much martyrs. Many of them are saints. We have so much hermits. One of them is saints, Saint Charbel is famous. But today, uh, the church said, that's not my opinion. God called us to carry this mission throughout for the worldwide. And we start to do this. And this first level. Second level. First, when, for example, our patriarch make a speech okay, or wrote a encyclic or a letter. Mm -hmm. okay. First, it was for Lebanese okay, or Syrian, the Antiochian geography. Now, no, it changed. We think about the, all the old people everywhere. They, they use this word under the sky everywhere. Mm -hmm. yeah. And also it's so important for our witnesses. And it means God opened a door for us to be his, his witnesses everywhere. And it's so important for us because from the early century, Syriac, Syriac church, we are Syriac, has a high uh, zealous missionary, and they went and uh, preached India. You know this. Still now we have two Syriac church in, in India. India, yeah. With time, because I don't know why, for many reasons uh, I cannot mention now. With time, this zealous missionary go down. Now, uh, the, our fathers on, on the synod say it's time God call us to renew our church and be more missionary and make witness, not only in our local geographic, our this country and East, Middle East, no, throughout, rather and all the world. And it's so important for our mission and for our, how we live our faith, how we testimony our, uh, 
attach it to Jesus. Okay? Mm -hmm. How? And the third level also is how immigration changed our mind. They call this cultural openness, you know, because if we, you live in a limited geography, you think uh, your bound with boundary will be so narrow. Yeah, you, you but, get you, mm -hmm. if, if everybody just stayed in Lebanon, it would yeah. just be yeah. this local kind of culture. Yes, but not anymore. Yeah, but now no. Our uh, we think and we pray, and we work for all, for the whole world, and it's so important. It's like uh, our Lord transform our church to be more, uh, to preserve her mission in our world today with globalization. We became global. Yes. But actually, this work, we have so many challenges to success on this. So I mentioned only three. First is the unity of our church. You know, Maronite church is patriarch church. Patriarchal church. Yeah, let me, let me explain a little bit about oh. that. You know, the church has a number of patriarchates. Yeah. Some are, they go back to the apostles. So Jerusalem is the patriarchate of St. James. There's also a patriarch in Alexandria. This is the church that St. Mark the Evangelist started after Peter sent him to Alexandria. But Antioch was the third largest city in the Roman Empire. So it was a huge city, extremely important. And St. Paul and St. Peter went there. And the, now the church in Antioch is, uh, has been, from the apostles, a patriarchal church. And the Pope is the Patriarch of the West. So he's the Pope of the whole church, but he's also the Patriarch of the Roman Rite. And just like the Patriarch of Alexandria is the Patriarch of the Coptic Rite. A lot of, especially uh, Latin Rite Catholics, are not so aware about the Patriarchates and that the, no, the patriarch of the Maronites does not live in Antioch. Yeah. It's po politics <laughs> yeah. don't permit that. Mm -hmm. But he is still called the patriarch of Antioch and all the East. There's also a patriarch in Babylon, uh, you know, for the Chaldean community, the Chaldean church. So there, these are and again, a lot of Roman Rite Catholics are unaware of this, but the Maronite community is a church, and the Copts are a church, and the Armenian Catholics are their own church, but they're all under the Pope. They all have their own patriarchs, and they're all under the Pope, and there are 22 of these churches in the Catholic Church, 
and we're all part of it. So just so folks understand, when you talk yes, about yes, the patriarch, this, uh, this yeah. is um, the, the kind of thing that is, you know, I've become accustomed to having lived over in, in Israel for a while and visited Lebanon and being in the Maronite Rite uh, as a biritual priest. Um, but a lot of folks don't, and it's, but they're all Catholic, and you can go to any one of the rites for mass, for confession, you know, that they're all, they're all this, the same sacraments, same Catholic church, but the patriarch of each is the head of that church along with the pope, the head of the whole church. Thank you for this clarification. So the first challenge is how people abroad in expansion have to start connected to the centrality of patriarch. Mm -hmm. Now his see is in Lebanon. Yes. Okay. It's a little complicated. I don't want to go yeah. so deep on this, but only mention. The second is how these people in expansion have to preserve their identity is the most important thing. Mm -hmm. And third is about a new generation, what I mentioned, new generation. Because these people left Lebanon and they came everywhere. They know Lebanon, they know their customs, they know their traditions, they, our systems, social systems, about family, about values, about uh, relation, all, they live on this. New generations, they don't know this. For example, Lebanon, they are not Lebanese. For example, if they're born in America, they are American. But they are American Maronite. So how they have to preserve their identity? And the third is, what is Lebanon for them? So I, I would like to go on this okay. second and third. First, Maronite is a religious identity. It's so important. The Synod put so much emphasis on this. We are not political. Okay? Despite the president of Lebanon is Maronite, is in our constitution. But yes. Maronite is not political. We are Christian. So to be Maronite is a kind, a special way to follow Jesus according to our heritage and our uh, tradition, Antiochian, Syriac one. So they mentioned five elements about to define Maronite identity. This elements I like to mention. First, Maronite, Maronite is a Antiochian church. It means we are Antiochian like all the other church, Antiochian churches. Mm -hmm. Second, we are Syriac and not like other Syriac churches. Third, we are Catholic under the and communion with the Pope. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, fourth, we have some special uh, ascetics and uh, liturgy. Five is most important. Maronite Church is incarnate in Lebanon and in the East and now on the world. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that I've been privileged to do uh, in my travel uh, is celebrate uh, the Maronite liturgy and be part of the Maronite liturgy in 
in Alexandria, Egypt, and in Cairo, mm -hmm. as well as in Lebanon, and in Australia, mm -hmm. and here in the United States. You know, it's something that, you know, I've experienced this very much, that the, I can join in and celebrate the Corbono, or can celebrate uh, with the local priests, and be very much part of that same Maronite community. Mm -hmm. Father, we have to stop a bit. Oh. We have to take a little break, okay. but we'll be back in just a couple of minutes, and also we we'll want any of your questions and comments, so please stay with us. Welcome back. Um, just want to remind you also that in May, I'm planning to take a pilgrimage group over to Poland. And if any of you are interested, we'll be especially focusing on Polish saints, uh, including one very important to me, uh, Saint Andrew Babula. I took his name for my vow name. Uh, uh, when I took my vows as a Jesuit. But we'll be going in May. And if you want to find out more about it, go to Mateo Travel. Uh, you can find that online. And we'd be glad to have you come and join us. All right, Amuna, you ready for a question? Yes, sure. Let's start off with Mike in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Mike, what can we do for you? Uh, yes, uh, good evening, Father Mitch and Father Zhang. Um, I have a question. Do you think we should be praying with greater fervor to St. Charbel Makhlouf, a Maronite monk, especially for his ability to unite Christians and Muslims? This is a special challenge for Catholics and Christians living in the Middle East today. Mm -hmm. And is there a strong Maronite contemplative tradition inside and outside of Lebanon today. And lastly, why is St. Charbel so popular in Eastern Orthodox tradition, places like Slovakia? And I'm half Slovak, so it kind of makes me wonder why he gets to be so popular in a, a landlocked, non-maritime nation. <laughs> well, good set of questions. So first of all, yeah. St. Charbel, uh, will devotion to him help Christians and Muslims to come more together? Actually, thanks for this question. In Lebanon, we make something on this way, so important, not about St. Charbel, it's about our mother, Virgin Mary. Mm -hmm. In Lebanon, 25th of March is the Feast of the Annunciation. It's a national feast. We make so many encounters for Muslims and Christians around Mary, how Mary, like a mother, gathers the, the people. And it's a national feast, and so many people come from the world to, us to attend so many celebrations on this feast. It's about the common ground with Muslims. 
And also, if you go to visit now about St. Sherbil, if you want to go visit St. Sherbil, you can see so many people, not Christian, not only Muslims, Muslims, Buddhists, Hinduists, uh, all, all kinds of religion. They came and they pray to God and ask the intercession of St. Sherbil. And because we have, they have, we have one God, not two God. So God hears the prayer of all his creation. And sometimes he, he makes miracles through St. Sherbil for Muslims people. And it uh, consolidates the face of this people and God of love. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, and many of them became, became Christian. I know many of them became Christian. And I like you mentioned about Slovakia because I visited for my studies seven countries in Europe. Slovakia was one of them. In Slovakia, they, uh, they have a special devotion to St. Sherbil. Also, they sell his book, two books, one book of prayer and one book about his, his life. It's the most sailed book in Slovakia. And every 22 of months, they make in so many places, I attend one of them, a, they call this like a healing mass, uh, and that's the intercession of St. Sherbil for healing, for benediction, for blessings. And so many times, because we have faith and we hope in God, God answers the petition of these people and miracles happen. And for this, every, every year, they make pilgrimage to Lebanon, five full aircraft. Yeah. Yeah. This and, happened in Slovakia. And it's also happening in Poland. Hmm. My cousin, uh, recently told me that, you know, said, wow, this St. Sharbal, he's strong, but he's very popular in Poland, and he is tremendously loved in Mexico. St. Sharbal is very, very much loved in Mexico, and in our own Phoenix, Arizona, yeah. uh, I heard about this woman that was healed yeah. of blindness, by his intercession, a relic was touched to her eyes and she was healed completely. Yeah. And so now the, they have mass, the, the Maronite Corbono, the, the Maronite liturgy in Spanish. It's already been translated in South America, but they'll celebrate that. And so St. Charbel is very, very popular in many not, more places. Not only very popular, he is the first missionary today to spread the word of God and the mission of, of God according to Maronite faith and Maronite liturgy and Maronite sense and Maronite heritage. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So he's, he's Not only popular. Yep. Thank you. Yeah, he's very much loved. Ma'am, where are you from? Birmingham, Alabama. And I see you over at St. Elias. <laughs> yes, you do. So what's your question for a father? Being a Maronite Catholic, growing up in Birmingham, going to the Roman Catholic schools, one of the main differences you learn is that the Roman Catholic right, the priest can't marry, but the Maronite Catholic priest can. And when you talk about immigrating, you talk about all of the Maronites being all over the world. So my question is, did the people leave Lebanon and start 
the Maronite rite or did the priest leave and start it? So how did they, how did they get around the world? Mm -hmm. a good question. Yes. Actually, I met an American priest and he asked me a question similar to yours. He was wondering, because the majority of our priests in Lebanon are not married. <laughs> he told me, have, you have the chance, he used this word, you have the chance to be married and get family and be a priest. Why you choose to be celibate? It's so simple, because God called me and all the so many priests, not married, to be totally for him. And he will be our family, our future, and the children of our parishes will be our children. Mm -hmm. So, but I continue on your question. When the Moronite uh, parishes start on the world, because we are under the, uh, in the land of uh, covering by the Pope, they refuse married, married priests to come to serve these people. But from around seven years, I think, the Pope give a permission to Moronite to have married priests uh, in expansion. Mm -hmm. So now it's a change. And that's what, and that's good because it's a old tradition for us, and it's so good to have our liberty. Yeah. We, we hear what, what God needs for us. It's not mandatory to be priest and uh, celibate. We can, and that's a good tradition. Yeah, yeah. yeah and Thank it, you. a lot of times, uh, the married priests, you know, of course, they, a lot of them, are, they have to be married before they're ordained a priest. Yeah. They don't get married after ordination. Yeah, no, no, no. That's part of, and that's, that's not just Maronite, that's for all the Eastern churches, and it's also true for the Orthodox. They have to be married before ordination. Um, and secondly, they, um, you know, they, they have to be able to take care of their family. This is a challenge. It's not always, it's being a married priest, whether in the United States or elsewhere, has its own challenges. And being the priest's wife and children have real challenges too. It's not like, oh, this is easier. Yeah, but really, in Lebanon, God take care for the priest and his family. You don't have, you know, we yeah. don't put so much emphasis on this. God take yeah. care for all people. The yeah. family of priests and yeah. his children and everybody. So I would like to continue our reflection. Well, we have one more question. Uh, uh, I have a, a caller. The uh, this is Naja, you're in Ohio? Uh, hello. Yes, hello. Naja, what? Can you hear me? Yes, we hear you fine. Uh, okay, what's your... very well. Good, good evening and hello. Yes, I have a question for Father John. Uh, what do you think about the future of the Maronite community in Lebanon now. Yeah, so what, <laughs> the, the immigration has been very large, so the community is smaller than it once was. What's going on Actually, in Lebanon? Actually, it's a so profound question, I cannot now give a total answer. I give some reflection about this. First, the church called the, called the immigration in Synod. Hemorrhage, because it's not for Lebanon. Hemorrhage. 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 Yeah, mm -hmm. okay. Because we lose our skilled people, new generation, mm -hmm. and high could cultivate, you know, because now today immigration became more selective. 
So countries didn't accept anybody. They, they need a, a people uh, with specialization and specialist system, uh, engineering, doctors, uh, and in Lebanon we have so much of this. But immigration uh, is, is not, not good for Lebanon. But what happened? This uh, calamities and uh, catastrophe that push people to immigrate, God transforms them for a blessings to the church because it's like the seed okay? they planted out of Lebanon and they strive a new parish or a new church mm -hmm. uh, from the world. But it, not, it, not, it, it never means uh, people from Lebanon is good for them or for Lebanon also to immigrate. But God makes this change. We, we cannot lead the history, you know? Right. God, God is the leader of our history. And I can also add other things. And it's mentioned on the synod. Mm -hmm. So these people abroad, because they carry Lebanon in their heart, okay? they are a big support for Lebanon, especially in this collapse. Now we have financial collapse. Yeah. And uh, it's so clear, if we don't have these people abroad, they send money for their families in Lebanon. Maybe in Lebanon we have famine now, like uh, after the, fir the, the first World War, we have famine. Mm -hmm. And in this time, 200,000 people was died by famine. Ottoman makes this. And maybe this time we can, could, could be the same, but these people abroad support Lebanon, financial, and support the case of Lebanon to preserve this country to stay a mission, likewise what mentioned the Pope Saint Jean Paul II. Mm -hmm. Lebanon is not a ordinary country; is a message for the whole worldwide, mm -hmm. a message of freedom and diversity and multiplicity. Is the yes. sentence of sense. So, who makes this a true? These people abroad. So. My faith and my prospection about this, Lebanon cannot never die because we have this wonder people full of faith, full of life, and they love their country, they love Jesus, and really Jesus take care of us. And I finish with this, and thank you, Naja, for this. During our history, we have so much calam calamities Calamity. and catastrophes also. Yeah, calamities. But we continue from, from the year 6080, after the Muslims conquest, we continue our witness and our mission and our life. And we are proud to be Christian with our uh, uh, citizen, uh, our citizen from other uh, uh, confession. And we live, we love them, we live, and they love us, sure. And we, we, we live conviviality despite all the challenges and conflict can happen in daily life. So my face, assure for me, Maronite cannot die. And if they cut, if they cut them like the branch, they blossom again and we will never die because we have our hope in Jesus Christ. Absolutely. We also have a caller from uh, 
uh, John in Illinois. John, what can we do for you? Um, I'm wondering how many Maronite churches do we have within the United States, and are there any Maronite churches in the Chicago area? I'm about 25 miles outside of Chicago, so I'm wondering what, what which the direction, is. what what suburb are you in? Joliet. Joliet. Okay. Joliet, Illinois. Yeah. Because there's there's one uh, up in the uh, a bit north. There is a Maronite church mm -hmm. in Chicago. I was up here. Yes. In the city uh, itself? No, not in the city. It's in one of the uh, uh, northwest suburbs. Okay. Yeah, so you can check that out. And I think in the United, in our eparchy, there are what, 50 parishes? Yeah, oh, the, whole, the whole parishes are around 100. Yeah, in, in the whole country, it's about 100 uh, Maronite yeah. uh, churches. Oh and in our the, the eparchy Father Jean Maroon and I are in, which is the western one, that is about 50. So about 50 and 50. Okay, so, thank you. Yeah, thank you're you. welcome. Also want to mention that there is a Maronite exhibit here in Birmingham at Vulcan Park. Uh, this is about the history mostly of our parish, not only yeah. because there also are other folks George, from St. George, George yeah. uh, but it's, it's a mm. big history of the Middle Eastern Christians yeah. here in Birmingham. It's a big community. St. George is Melkite, we are Maronite, and the two communities have both contributed to this exhibit, so okay. that's going on. Abuna, we have uh, two, minutes two minutes left. Okay. So to continue my, our reflection, how uh, the Maronite identity helps these people abroad everywhere is my studies, yes. okay? field study. So I ask about this because I make a survey mm -hmm. in seven countries of Europe. So people first are proud to preserve their identity, especially in secular uh, countries. All the, all the country of Europe are yeah. secular, secularism. Yeah. And it, it helps them to preserve their value and most important, their family, because Maronite continue to live as family. Children live with their parents and parents take care of their children. And it continues because not only them do this, but they continue to do this because, you know, in secularism, family, they put so much pressure under the family. And also, it helps them, protect them to be in seclusion, to be a uh, ghetto, you know? Mm -hmm. Because we are Christian, we cannot be ghetto. We have to be open and love each, every, everybody and accept multiplicity and diversity mm -hmm. and work for this. And third, it helps them to be more human and show emphasis towards the people, despite uh, their uh, religion, their color, their race, their country. And it's so important for these people to live their integration in this new society and work for the good, public good for this society. For this, this Maronite people usually are uh, omnipremant, they are so successful people, and they are proud to preserve their identity and make this testimony, okay? Yeah. We are Christian, we are from Lebanon, we are from Syria, we are from, yeah. uh, okay? Yeah. And we, and it helps some, them so much. I, want, I like to conclude. 
Well, we have to we have to get going. Uh, I'm afraid. Wait, real quick, in a sentence. Okay. So, to make a good uh, a good integration for immigrants people, help them to preserve their religion and their faith, in good way. Yeah. Excellent. You avoid fundamentalista like yeah. this. Thank you. So sorry that we're out of time. Yeah, yeah, but you had a lot of folks with good questions. Yeah. And by the way, it's Our Lady Lebanon Church in Lombard, Illinois, for, the, for John. Thank you, Abuna. Thanks. And join me in blessing our people. May Almighty God bless you all and keep you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we can bring you Father Jean Maroon and all the other guests and programs because the network is brought to you who keep us in between your gas bill, electric bill, and cable bill, making it possible to pay our bills too. Thank you and God bless.